what's up? Uh, yes, I want. I even have a question for Tay. <laughs> Tell me what's up. Can you say hello? This is not. This is not the final exam. You guys are so nervous. Okay, it's only a radio show. You will hang up after me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, Tay. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow, fine exam things. Hey, how was your day, Terry? Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here. Um, my day was good, crazy though. Um, quite a number of activities. But I am happy to be here. Uh, and I hope my few thoughts will count on money. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Roy, all the way from Kenya. How are you, Bwana? How are you? Maisha yako? Maisha salama. Labda yako, Bwana Tubiria. Mimi na fit fit sana kabisa. I hope I know what I'm saying. I hope I know what I'm saying. You might have just insulted us. Thank you so much Roy for joining us uh, tonight and talking about Welcome. money. Martin, what's up? Well, I'm fine. Greetings, greetings to everyone over here. It's nice to be here. All right, great. At one point, I'll be asking you what you've done with the kids. Yeah, <laughs> and they need to tell us if they're in the same house. <laughs> they're in the same house. Okay, don't answer that. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, one more person who is going to be contributing to this show is uh, is Olive. Olive is uh, mm-hmm. is our accountant at Word of Life, and uh, she's handled monies uh, before. And uh, she's going to be sharing with us her thoughts as well on money. You are going to be hearing a lot of stories from Olive tonight uh, concerning how her father raised her in uh, in handling money. Most of us might have thought she learned most of her principles from school, but you're going to find out there's a lot to do with the way she grew up and how her father uh, raised her. So that will be the other voice that you'll be hearing tonight. First question is going to go to... Elena, do you want to fire the first question or should I? I am tempted to fire the first question. Uh, Terry, I think you're counting 10 months, almost 10 months in marriage. <laughs> right? 177 you. days. But anyway, so <laughs> I wanted to ask if you, you and your wife have a joint account, but we can skip that. But how has the money discussion been so far? in the 277 days. Any tips for us looking forward to that institution? What God has really taught us for the first 200, first 20 days or so, 300 days, uh, 30 days, we there was a lot of capital expenditure, a lot of big expenses. You get into the house, you're missing this and you need to buy. So we realized we're spending a lot uh, through speaking with a few couples, David actually here, we go to learn of, of a tracker, a spending tracker that helps us keep accountable. Um, in the past, all of us used to spend our money separately. Now, at the end of the day, you don't even know how a hundred thousand was spent. And then, <laughs> but now I have to keep receipts uh, to be accountable to my wife and tell her this is how the money was spent. 50K can't just disappear like that. But yeah, uh, it's been a learning process for us. I can't say it's yet perfect, but God has really been good on our side. Yeah. And also learning that God is the sole provider, most importantly. Amen. Thank you, Terry. I've answered your question, Elena. One of the questions, Terry, don't go off. One of the questions. That is just (laughs) one of the questions. Um, your network is stable. We could hear you. Well, thank you so much, Terry. I think you've mentioned something really interesting. One, to track your expenses, but also the accountability with your wife. It's a bit unique when you're married, where you used to spend your money differently, but now it's uh, someone asks you where your money went. 
and, and that can be somehow difficult. And I know most couples say, your money is our money. And, uh, but sometimes it goes only one side. I won't say which side. Give us a brief biblical understanding of, uh, of money. Of course, not going to be everything, but just give us perspective of what does the scripture say about money? How would you summarize that, Martin? Okay, thank you very much, David, and thank you, Al. So, uh, some of the things that I think about right from my head is one, uh, scripture teaches us that money ultimately cannot satisfy um, and it tells us that it is the root of all evil that is in first timothy chapter 6 and verse 10 um when we when we look at it more we need to understand that there is nothing wrong with material prosperity because we see men and maybe women in scripture who who are materially prosperous Abraham, Job, um, Proverbs 10, uh, verse 4, I mean, talks about the fact that uh, it's not wrong to, to be prosperous materially. The problem is when uh, the wealth becomes the reason as to why we live, and so we replace God with money, um, then it becomes a problem. Um, money comes with a lot of temptation. Um, I think of Psalm 52, I think of, yeah, I've already talked about First Timothy 6, money comes with a lot of temptation, um, but also we see that wise stewardship of money pleases the Lord. And I think we see quite a number of um, parables in Luke 15 where it talks about stewardship. We see the prodigal son who goes away and wastes resources. Uh, and we learn that wise Christians use uh, money in a manner that glorifies God. Um, so, um, uh, and then what? Yeah. So, it, stewardship, when we steward resources well, it is also a form of worship of God. And when we, we, we handle our monies well, when we use our monies on godly priorities, uh, our money can be used to worship God instead of serving men. And we see a hint of that in John um, chapter 4, verse uh, 24. So those are some of the things that I can think of my my mind right now about uh, kind of a biblical perspective on money. It falls along those lines. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I mean, I know there's a lot, uh, but uh, one of the things I do remember catching from what you said is it can actually be used as a tool to worship God, which is to really bring honor and worth of who God is so men can be able to know him. Uh, and so I know many people who have used their monies uh, in that sense. And so thank you so much, uh, Martin. I know the first verse that comes to mind is what you just mentioned, being the source of the root of all evil. And it's important that you point that out in saying it's the love of it. It's a love of it. They are prosperous men in scripture. But also we need to be careful and understand that this can be can turn bad very, very quickly. Eleanor. We, Florence asked a question about what the best way of spending money is, and we have Abigail who tried to respond to that, and I hope that even as we go along, one of the panelists will be able to also respond to that. So, my question is to Miriam. Um, Martin has shared um, about money, and 
coming from the corporate side, how do you reconcile the corporate understanding of money and the ministry? You are a pastor's wife and you work in a bank. How do you reconcile those two? We have a very unique couple here. One works at the bank and the other one receives offertory. And he's going to be talking to us about that in a few minutes. How much? <laughs> how, that, how, the, how does that, how do those two work? I do not know. But Miriam, I don't know if I've shed, I've shed some more light on what uh, Elma is trying to ask. <laughs> Actually, Eddie has, has brought it out properly. A pastor's wife who works in a bank sounds like buzz and sobriety, not compatible. So Miriam, please tell us. So, depending on what area you're working in, in the bank, you either get to interface with money a lot or not. I spent my, the first two years in the bank working as a teller. So you went. At some point, I think money lost value for me because, I mean, I'm sitting there with like 100 million in my custody and it feels like something is very normal but yes the temptation <laughs> is high because as you work there you notice certain loopholes and what but it comes back as a christian you need to purpose that i need to be different this is not mine i am not going to take it what is allocated to me is what a bank pays into my account and that is it just because it's in your hands, it does not belong to you. You're actually a steward. I think that's a very good illustration for each one of us. Yeah. Uh, to remember, even when God blesses us with money, that's on our account. Just because it's in your account, I would like to push you in that further. It does not belong to you. We are, uh, but stewards. Um, I am seeing very interesting uh, comments and questions in in the chat. Um, Edward asked, what does the love of money mean exactly? And uh, that was directed to Roy, and Roy uh, responded. He said, love of money is when your emotions are driven to an insatiable, intense, and selfish desire for money. There's something here that Chiwaya mentioned in the chat that I think is important to note. He said we should normalize money. Money is normal and being rich is not sin. True satisfaction is from God, not in items or money. And thank you so much uh, for Chihuahua for pointing that out. That's entirely true. I think the problem comes uh, from some of the people that misuse or abuse money and uh, some of the Bible passages that talk about the rich man and the camel going through the eye of the needle and it's verses like that that try to not only scare but try to in, in an attempt to give us the, the what, I don't want to say the evil part of money but I think that's the best my English can do for now which is true of everything else uh, that is abused uh, there's always an evil side to things uh, that can be abused and so not just money not just money but so mm. thank you so much uh, uh for that Chibaya. roy yo i was testing to see if your network is on and so i don't want to hear my network is down when this question comes to you but thank you so much for <laughs> being available this evening like i said roy is uh roy is an accountant still with world of life uh in kenya 
And I asked him the same question I asked uh I asked uh, Oli. Oli will be giving us her view uh, very shortly. But Roy, um how long have you been an accountant? Uh this is my 11th year. Hey, Gwei, I don't want to ask how old you are. But that's that's a lot of years. That's a lot of years, man. I actually did not th- I need to expect the 11 years. Uh to be honest with you. But uh, but thank you so much Roy for joining us. Um please help us answer this question. There are thieves there. Eh? but then there are thieves who break in okay um there are thieves that uh, ask politely in Kenya uh, they take your phone you beg your sim card back and they give it back to you but then there are thieves who cook books eh and they you don't realize they're stealing from you they give you the right receipts they give you the right figures and uh, those are the accountants who are not on this show but you are on this show how what what has kept you uh from doing that because you're literally the one asking people to account for the money um i wish i was among the first ones to be asked questions i think i would have gotten the simpler ones <laughs> you have decided you have decided to rest this program on me okay, i will also yeah. hold my podcast and ask tough questions <laughs> this is not a time to lament sebo this is a time to answer questions <laughs> All right. Um just allow me to take uh two minutes of your time and the Lord has been gracious um to allow me to work in different sectors. Um I've worked in the bank. I've worked in the real estate and now I'm working in the ministry. Now coming to work in the ministry was a calling that I had denied for years. But the Lord decided just like Jonah, I will ensure that you are in ministry using your skills um to help propel the ministry. Now, how do I um become accountable? Um David, let me first begin by saying all the panelists have brought in a very interesting aspect of money. Money first and foremost has to have value for it to create meaning. Now for us all to say that we want money it's okay I can give you one Uganda shilling per day and you can put it in a tin you will have money at the end of the year but it won't have value because the perception that we usually have as people is that this money has to create wealth it has to bring value it has to have meaning otherwise money in the pocket with no meaning um does not add any value. Now, one of the principles I have used David to cut the long story short um is I have tried to ensure that I am not in direct contact with finances, that there is someone that I too have to go through to ensure that in case I am in need of anything, especially in the ministry or in the course of my duties, that they can be able to keep check as to my needs key example is that you and and the person doesn't have to be necessarily um someone in the same department it has to be just a random person i will write requisitions just like any other person i will have them approved just like any other person will do in the ministry and i would also ensure that i have returned the receipts if need be or have accounted for the money wherever it is that um i have used it at um the other accountability tool i have ensured 
that I have kept is I have personally I have avoided to have as much liquid around me as possible. Now there's a there's a very interesting thing that happens with money when it is in liquid form. It evaporates. Um, it just disappears somehow, somehow. You will go out, you will see something nice, you will buy it, then you will say, ah, I'll return at the end of the month. Uh, you go to another corner, you see Tubiria in town, you say, Tubiria, let me take you for lunch. Tubiria thinks Roy is very wealthy. Um, at the back of my mind, I tell myself, I'll return it. And before mm. I know it, I have so much to return that I easily say, ah, let me write it off. Next month, I will begin again. And before you know it, it's a periodic habit and it will lead to one of the discussions that probably you'll have in the future. It will lead to debt. Um, let me leave it at that. It's interesting. I, I like, I mean, I've listened to several principles um, on money, but I had not understood or clearly thought about the fact that uh, the way you brought it out is important. And when, you, when you mentioned and said that uh, you always put someone in between you and the money. Uh, I mean, you're the accountant to whom people uh, are supposed to present their accounts to, their receipts to. But even you, that the judge is saying, uh, I need someone else in between me and the money. And I, I want to re-echo the other statement you mentioned in not keeping liquid, <clears throat> especially in your case. Now, I also have a friend who encourages you, if it's your personal money, don't spend don't spend uh, virtual money, mobile money, taking your car to the to the supermarket so they just swipe. He says when you look at money and pay it in cash, it's painful. You don't you don't go into a spending spree. But I know what you mean when you say try as much as you can. If an accountant don't keep as much money in your office because or keep word of life or ministry money or money that, that belong to you in liquid form because you will spend it. That, that's been unique. Imagine you're a pastor. You're a pastor that yeah. uh, there's this thing people usually say, okay? Now, they've told it to me and me, I've told them, that's not me. Where they say people in ministry usually, they be broke. Eh? Um, why? Mm. Because for some reason, especially in the last couple of months, um, there's not been offertory, uh, people have not been doing well, and for a missionary, for someone who is in church, you're kind of dependent on uh, people's mercy, okay, to be able to contribute towards uh, the ministry that you're doing. Uh, and so, how do you reconcile all of that with a wife that earns more than you, at least when you're when you're starting out in marriage, I mean, that's the case. I don't know what the case is right now, but how have you been able to reconcile that? That must be a very difficult thing for a man, where you compare um, you compare accounts, and perhaps yours is a fraction. How have you done that? <laughs> well. Um... I, I should say that that money has never been a problem for me and Miriam. So we we have never, we've not never had an issue because because of money or that that discrepancy that has never been a problem. But I would like to just point to. So I'm going to point out some things that that you would say are common things that happen where a wife earns more than the husband. So because the wife earns more that could 
make them uh, make the wife define the the marriage by the work that she does. So when we when we look in scripture, we see that uh, true meaning because we are we are made in the image of God. True meaning and value for one as a child does not come from their work. We are not defined by work. We are defined by the fact that we are made in the image of God, and therefore and, and redeemed uh, by Jesus Christ. And so that's where we find our worth, and it's not in the work that we do. The other thing that would happen is that when uh, a wife earns more than her husband, uh, in some some places there is the, the the issue of the wife disrespecting the husband because because of that, and maybe the husband feeling less of who he is supposed to be in terms of the leader of the home. But we see that uh, scripture tells us that uh, and that leadership in marriage uh, does, does not come from circumstances of that kind. In Genesis 2, we see that there's an establishment of the leadership and how it's supposed to be. And in the New Testament, we see in 1 Corinthians 11, in 1 Peter 3, Ephesians 6, um, that it comes from the, the biblical definition that has been given to the man as the leader in the home. And there is no scriptural or historical reason to believe that a woman earning more forfeits their role as, as, as someone who supports um, or that they should, should be the, the leader in, in that home uh, in any way. But also we see that hard work. God rewards hard work. And, and, and I, I have experienced that in, in my life. Colossians 3 talks about uh, you know, the, the fact that uh, God honors hard work but also does not mean that that as a husband when you're earning less than you should just lay back and there should be active ways that you seek in order to provide for your family first timothy 5 talks about warning us about man who is not able to provide for his family uh being worse than an unbeliever so when there is hard work we see that god rewards us or rewards that and that's something that I've, I've experienced because along the way, I am not earning what I used to earn before. God has opened more opportunities, more places to work. And uh, and actually, out of just my speaking engagements, it's possible that I will make more than I make uh, sometimes in a month uh, from what the church pays. So God opens such opportunities and so there's, there's still opportunity to work and still take care of your family. But... Uh, it, it's not something that uh, has been a problem. I've, I've, I've never felt disrespected uh, because of any reason or anything of that kind. Uh, so it, it's not been an issue for me. Uh, and those are some of the things that have, have helped us to deal with uh, that specification. Amen. Uh, Martin, you, you brought in a very interesting topic concerning God rewarding uh, hard work. And so that that for me was my my take home. Elna, what was your take home from what Martin has been talking about? Before I can jump over to uh, Mimi Girl, um, I feel like we we're going to we already have so many podcasts lined up from everything they they have shared. <laughs> <laughs> like True. there's so much, but my take home from what Martin has shared is. 
um, that God is able to open doors, even when ideally I, <laughs> there's something uh, Nelson said that we are not broke. It's God who provides for us through people. We are not at their mercy. And just how Martin brought up that, that it's actually God who provides, opens opportunities and even takes care of those needs. Um, mm. He, he's able to just take care of all everything really amen 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 i agree with you chiwaya me i'm not broke either i refuse <laughs> that's why i turned pentecostal i refuse no <laughs> and one of the things we'll be looking at one of the things we'll be looking at is uh the question is poverty relative is poverty relative as i brought that up in our discussion today but we can be so rich and we have no clue, by the way. We can be so rich and we have no... Now, Grace is interrupting the show. She's saying, my money is ours, <laughs> then hers is hers. Okay? I, I, I really don't want to start judging people by what they are saying. They have their reasons. But biblically, you cannot separate that part, really. You cannot split that part. It's really ours. Daudi. Uh, Daudi. Yes. Yep. Is it possible to get everything in the chat and back it up somewhere in the cloud? Because there is so much wealth in the discussions taking place on the chat. Uh, Terry says something here. He says, hey, Edward, like Arthur said, Proverbs 3, 9. We as Christians don't perceive money like the non-believers do. And number two, it's important to remain with what will keep one in the faith. That said, many Christians will make money almost as much or even more than many non-believers. But the aim of Christians is not to retain, but to give just like the Philippian church. People don't believe that calloused part there, that giving is actually one of the main principles of money. Why? Because we think the more I keep, the better I am at. But like Terry says, that's what makes a difference between the believers and the non-believers. It's a tool. Mm. Money is but a tool to be used mm. for the honor of God. So thank you so much for that, Terry. Uh, allow me to just allow um, Olive uh, to speak to us uh, this evening. Uh, she's not able to be with us and she just sent this text to me this evening. And... Uh, she was really glad to be on the show. This is what she had to say. To everyone, I must confess and say it is by God's grace that I have been able to handle money very well. But one of the things that I have known while growing up is that my father said to me or to us, all of us, as we grew up, that when you find money on the road, do not pick it because it does not belong to you. Someone has lost it and they may probably come back looking for it and don't find it just because you have picked it. So um, we grew up knowing that money that does not belong to you does not belong to you. But when it comes to money, uh, these are some of the principles that keep me going. One of them is contentment. Uh, just being grateful for what God has given me and being thankful, enjoying that which God has given me in the moment. And of course, looking to the commandments do not covet uh, other, th other people's stuff. And 
Hebrews 13, 5 says the love of money is the root of all evil. I think that is something that was ingrained in us from a time we were really young, that um, the love of money does not really give you everything. I know my dad once talked to us and told us a story of most of the rich guys who end up dying of either suicide or bank, uh, bankruptcy. They don't have happy lives because all their all their lives they are trying to make more money and not giving honor glory to God and then money becomes a god at some point so if uh, you put all your focus on making money or getting more money or getting richer you find that you're losing focus on the god that you're supposed to worship and you begin to worship um the money or the riches or the materials that you have, uh, material things that you have gotten from the money that you have. Yet God tells us, Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 24, that we cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and also serve money. You definitely, one will pull you. And so whatever your focus is, if it's the money, if it's God, one will pull you. Uh, to the side and then from a long time I think from that as as early as when I got married I got into the habit of saving Um, luckily enough my husband was a kind of person who encouraged saving paid bills on time and that kind of thing so I got into the habit of of knowing that we keep uh, we always have a budget and we keep emergency funds and we avoid credit those three things avoid credit um, have a budget, like uh, random shopping. I know that I sometimes can buy impulsively, uh, but we always go with a budget. And it's amazing when you shop with a man how quickly you get out of the supermarket or whatever shop you've gone to, as opposed to when I go alone. So, uh, yeah, David, really, those are some of the things that I have in life that have guided me all this time that have worked in uh, in 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 money when i first came to word of life i know that the biggest uh, thing was um oh no man nothing but love so i added that to the things that i already knew oh no man nothing but love so i vowed not to be in debt or to owe people money or to always feel like I am a servant to someone, like Proverbs says, I think Proverbs 22, 7, the, bor- the borrower is a, a servant of the lender. So those things have kept me going. Now, God's word versus what I learned in school. School is basically academic. Um, I don't remember anything that had to do with God's word in school. Uh, it was home and then what I found at Word of Life. In school, it was basically academic. So what I learned in school, uh, I just came and applied the debit, the credit, and all those finance terms. But there was no God really in what I did. Um, so just the way our dad uh, brought us up and the values that I found at Word of Life concerning borrowing and loaning and saving are what have helped me all this time. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Olive um, sharing with us her thoughts. I'm going to ask uh, Roy to 
say something small just maybe in about two minutes i know he had the whole uh, book prepared uh, for us and then uh, afterwards <laughs> i'm going to ask arthur i want to ask arthur to close for us uh, with just uh, some biblical understanding as a summary to most of the things we've been talking about. Now, ladies and gentlemen, remember that this is not it. Uh, we're going to continue with about maybe four uh, or five other episodes on money, and we'll be tackling very, very specific mm-hmm. topics then. And some of them I gave you uh, uh, something to do with uh, date, and uh, especially date, because that, that can begin a, a huge uh, and deep uh, spiral. Uh, that can sink um, literally lives uh, in that sense. But mm. that will be coming up later on in the weeks uh, to come. But Roy, uh, please go ahead. Continue with the chapter two in two minutes. <laughs> David the Bully. Um, thank you so much, David, for the opportunity and the chance. Actually, um, I must say that I've come here and I've become a student um of various thoughts and schools of thought um maybe what i can just add because the discussion as you said is so wide and it really um is one that cannot be accomplished in one podcast but um this is just what i would share um to all of us perceptions of money um I will attack the ministry first and say that um, the misconception that we've always had as a ministry, and especially as Christians, is that money is not an issue. Money is an issue. The rise and fall of leaders has mostly been attributed to money, if not other things. So when we as Christians um, lay on our pillows, and uh, fantasize about thoughts, uh, about the future, about how wealth will come in, and not handle the issue of money as Olive aptly said, then it becomes a problem. Because pastors, missionaries, people in ministry, Christians, have always underscored the major impact of money in their lives. And it is very important that we put it in mind that money is an issue. And just like any other issue that you face in your life, you need to um, pay attention to it and control it. Now, my parting shot is my guiding verse um, as I do as an, and as I interact with money. And that is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I usually like reading it while putting my name there. And say, Roy, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The patterns of this world is that money is an ultimate goal and not a tool to serve God. Thank you, David. No, thank you, Roy. Thank you so much. Thank, I mean, when I think about money, Honestly, the verse you just mentioned is not the first one to come. And yet when you mentioned it just now, it actually makes sense. And I know when we were starting out on this show, someone mentioned, I think it was, uh, I forget who it was. It must have been that Terry or, or Martin. But he talked about money and where the issues come from being an attitude. 
and attitude. And so we talk about renewing your mind, be transformed with the renewing of your mind. That 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 just resonates. It resonates. Thank you so much, uh, Roy. Eleanor, you're going to be praying for us uh, shortly uh, after Arthur uh, speaks to us, and then uh, this is in from Arthur. Arthur, please, would you like to close uh, this show for us? Okay, it's very good to hear Chibaya argue for money, which is good. Um, I'll just go back to First Timothy chapter 6. We know the upper portions of the verse. But I want to take us to specifically uh, verse 17. Command those who are rich. There were rich people in the church, my friends, in Ephesus. Uh, Timothy was a pastor there. And uh, he was pastoring rich people. So indeed, there was physical wealth as well as material wealth as you could explain and so that's why chapter 6 talks about contentment at the beginning but now he helps us understand those of you who are as rich as Chivaya, those of you who are as rich as Yona in South Africa he says command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty mm-hmm. that pride so in essence, maintain a proper perspective, he's saying. Do not rest your security in uncertain riches. So there's nothing wrong with riches, but if I rest my security in promotions that give me more money, in pimping up the get so that the people arriving at my gate, you know, it has all these things so they can know I actually have money. Then there is a security issue rather than the treasure of my heart being in Christ. That treasure is in things and that's where my heart will be. So he says, command them not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy now enjoy your riches (laughs) i mean it is clear be rich enjoy your riches and let them do good verse 18 that they be rich in good works that's why i read lydia's story lydia had a mansion hopefully i don't know but she was one of the rich ladies in in theatara and she used that mansion to house a missionary team, so to speak. She hosted them. This was a team that had escaped all kinds of persecutions. If you read from chapter 13, they had been lowered down in baskets. They had been, I mean, now here they are. She takes them in. She caters for them. The Philippian jailer comes to know Christ, takes in the apostles us for them. You see, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, not rich in wealth that is material, in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternity. This is the story of the man in Matthew chapter 6 who just kept building more and more bands to store up for himself. No, he was working, that is good, he was rich, that is good, he was enjoying a good meal. 
but he wanted to store it up for his own security. And Jesus says, what a fool, what a fool. Today your life will be required of you. Did he invest wisely? I shared a verse once with someone and I said, there's a controversial passage that says, the unearthly people know how to use mammon for their own gain. What about us who are storing up for eternity? Make the money. Enjoy it as it leads to works for eternity, as it displays the faith in Christ we have. Verses 17 to 19 have okayed hard work and richness. They have okayed enjoyment, but they have placed a better emphasis on how to use it for what is eternal. I hope that is the foundation for our ambition. I hope our ambition is not a personal ambition, but it's an eternal Christ-like ambition. Uh, I hope our entrepreneurship is an eternal Christ-like entrepreneurship. And I think that, in a sense, wraps up what many others have ever shared this evening. Thank you for the time. If you're going to listen to a podcast before you go to bed, before you go to bed, you can as well grow in your faith. Cabin Devils, your number one live podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time.